0: Welcome back. You are listening to Nate the Hate on YouTube, iTunes, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. Be sure to like the video and subscribe to the channel if you have not already. And with that, I'd like to welcome in my co-host, Modern Vintage Gamer.
1: Hello, Nate. It's great to be here. Thanks for having me on as always. And uh, we got a really, really great show to talk about today.
0: We do. And because it's such a interesting topic, we brought on a guest for this episode. And we brought on the man with the million gamer score, Randall Thor
2: what's going on nate what's going on mv mvg it's uh been fun actually fun time to talk about xbox this time huh
0: yeah <laughs> a nice change of pace Absolutely. no more doom and gloom xbox is <laughs> yeah. back baby let's go whoa mvg actually said that line <laughs> he's, he's not willing to say it for konami though
1: no i'm not mm. because where's silent hill so waiting. yeah where is silent yeah, hill see see.
0: good things take time and
2: castlevania and- yeah that?
0: And Suikoden, that was supposed to come out Yeah, where is Suikoden? Good things take time. Konami is cooking. But we're not here to talk about Konami. We're here to talk about Microsoft. But before we get into the Microsoft topic, today's episode is dedicated to Calvin Atkinson, who donated $100 to support the channel. And if you'd like to support the channel, we have a Streamlabs link in our description below. Donate any dollar amount, ask a question, and we will answer it at the end of the episode Donate $100 or more, and we'll dedicate the episode to you. And today's topic is going to be about the recent Xbox showcase. And we're going to start with the influence that the showcase had on Microsoft in uh, 2023. And if it shifted any of the momentum in their favor, the positives or the negatives that the showcase may have had for 2023. And we're also going to go into other topics like if it began to show some promise of 2024, Are we seeing a swing in Japanese support? And then give our just general reaction and thoughts on the showcase itself. But we're going to open with its influence and impact on the current calendar year. And I'm going to start with Rand on this one. Do you think the showcase gave Microsoft more energy for this year? Or do you think Microsoft is largely still in the same place as they were? As the games shown at the showcase really they didn't have anything new for this year. We just had deeper looks in the software that is coming out later this year.
2: It's an interesting question because um, as you said, like you, it's still the same two games coming this fall, Starfield and Forza Motorsport with, okay. We know some of the 2024 uh, lineup. So did this showcase excite people enough to want to go out and be like, I need Xbox or any game pass. And I don't know if you saw some of the reports on on Twitter uh, about, like, the Series X numbers being up dramatically at GameStop and Amazon. So, at least in that regard, for people who, like, follow sales numbers, it did seem like the Series X... Now, that may be because the supply has been increased, as Phil mentioned at the end of the showcase... But at least from those small data points, it does seem like, you know, the sales for Series X did go up, which would point to people being happy with the showcase. I know the Xbox community is energized. They thought the show was a home run. And, you know, when you factor in Starfield looking the way it did, potentially being, you know, dare I say, a game of the generation, there might be people out there being like, all right, We've seen the vision for this year. Starfield looks incredible. We see what you're doing for 2024. There's some games here with some tangible looks at, you know, gameplay and engine stuff. And we know you acquired Bethesda and all these other studios and you have ABK maybe waiting in the wings. I feel confident that Xbox is going to, you know, deliver the goods this year and years, you know, down the road. So maybe it's time to invest. So with just those small data points, I say, yeah, I think people are excited. I, I think people are, are, you know, you look at Jeff Keely's poll; it was like a fifty-six percent with one hundred forty thousand votes. So, um, I, I think, I think this when, when you <laughs> when you come from a situation where everybody was just dooming and gloomin, yep, because of Redfall, yep, and the ABK deal getting blocked, and now people are looking at the immediate future with Starfield. And all the other things, I think this home run was a massive, or this showcase was a massive success, just in that
1: regard. I think you touched on what I was going to say, Rand, and that is, we're talking just a month ago, I think it was a month ago, where Microsoft or Xbox felt like they were in the worst situation they'd been in since like 2013, right, with Redfall, yeah. and then the CMA coming out and and you know blocking the deal, the ABK deal, which by the way, that whole thing is boring as hell to me. I don't even want to talk about that on this show. Um, and just kind of, they were taking L after L. It seemed like all at the same time and they weren't having a great month. I mean, obviously. So this showcase was really a, just, you know, just to remind people that, you know, we know what we're doing where we are a, a, a big company and we have a lot of studios and we have a lot of talent. And, I think it really hit the mark and it, and it really has re-energized the Xbox brand and it's gotten people excited about it again. And And look, whether you like Game Pass or you hate Game Pass, Game Pass is, is here and it's only going to continue to improve and, and grow a, as a brand. So I think they made all the right moves in the showcase to get people excited about Xbox once again those people that were very critical of them, myself included. I came into this showcase, I was confident, quietly confident, I will say, that I felt like Microsoft could turn this around, especially, you know, they were talking big on Twitter, Aaron Greenberg, the hype man, was saying all sorts of things. But I think they delivered for the most part. And um, look, we only got to see the games that we already knew about, like you said, Forza and Starfield. But, oh my God, we got we got a a massive look at Starfield. And I think that that really made a a lot of people uh,
0: very, very happy, myself included.
1: So I I think, look, you know, Xbox really did turn it around with this showcase.
0: Yeah. Going into the show, you know, you had a lot of talk, you had some media personalities coming out there saying Starfield has to be an 11 out of 10. If Starfield doesn't deliver, the Xbox is finished. You have to, you know, they have to look, into other the directions of how to salvage the system or the generation. And I would say that the showcase and Starfield in tandem were of utmost importance. They had to have a strong showcase, and they had to show that Starfield could be a generation-defining Western RPG. And I would say both of those did happen at this particular showcase. And when you look at the start of 2023, we had the developer direct where you had Hi-Fi Rush, a surprise shadow drop. Huge acclaim, lots of players, a lot of energy was positive for the Xbox due to that release. It felt as though it was a title from the Dreamcast PS2 era, and people love that style of game. But then that was also paired with Forza getting delayed. Mm-hmm. Starfield was given a release date, and then you know a few months later, Redfall came out to horrendous reviews, poor player reception, and as you both had mentioned, the ABK deal being blocked, there was a lot of negativity going around with the Xbox and Microsoft in general. And then you had Sony where they had their showcase a couple of weeks ago and had Sony delivered their typical showcase, they could have put a nail in Microsoft's coffin at the time. Cause if they would have came out with a strong first party roster of games to come beyond Spider-Man, you know, I'm talking games in 2024. If right. they had shown a teaser trailer of ghost of Tsushima two, twisted metal Whatever new IP is coming from Naughty Dog, Wolverine. those types of things. Yeah, Blue Points game. Mm-hmm. Those types of things would have really just driven home that point of we're Sony, we have the PlayStation 5, and we are dominating right now. But they made a mistake. They had a rare misfire, and it opened the door for Microsoft going into the showcase. And a couple of episodes ago, you and I discussed this MVG that this was Microsoft's opportunity. It was their time to get energy on their side in 2023 and say, We're still here. We can still remain competitive. And they did exactly that. They didn't spend a lot of time on Forza in this particular showcase. We are going to have a more in-depth look at their extended showcase this week. And they made the right move by making Starfield that pivotal point of 2023 for their brand. And we had 40 minutes for that deep dive, arguably one of the best developer demonstrations of a game. Maybe only second to Breath of the Wild, mm-hmm. where it showed all the in-game systems. It, it answered virtually every question anyone had about the game, and all of a sudden, people are now energetic about the Xbox brand beyond just Xbox fans. It's yeah. everyone's looking to this game, saying, "Is this the game we've been waiting for?" And after that showcase, it definitely feels as though Starfield is going to be the moment where maybe. And I hate to say this phrase, Starfield is when the generation starts mm-hmm. for Microsoft and the Xbox Series.
1: Well, I mean, we thought it was going to be Redfall before we found out what a dumpster fire that game was, right? Um, so yeah, I mean, I think Starfield is is the game that kind of kicks off the generation for Xbox, you know, if you want to put it that way. But look, I agree with you. You know, it, it was um, a very, very compelling uh, presentation, and yeah. I think it's it's up there with with Breath of the Wild. Like it, it just can it just went on and on and on and on, and just when you thought you had a, a handle of all the different systems in the game, they keep showing you more. You know, they, they even had a magic system in there as well. I mean, this game is is immense, and I think it was the right move to number one have a a forty minute presentation at the end exclusively just Starfield, and yeah, I mean. I think, you know, Microsoft made all the right right moves on this one.
0: We'll be back after a quick break.
1: Ever thought modern video games should be more interesting? At the Gaming Blender, we take randomized genres, mechanics, and make a new game every episode. I've added permadeath. We have a survival game of a hardcore simulation, which could be House Flipper, and with the permadeath of XCOM. Then that all has to be an action-adventure. Yes,
2: will wash away a lot of the problems that Xbox was yep. having in the lead up to it because there's, you know, a lot of people still be like, Oh, but can they deliver on this scale? And I'm sorry. Starfield looks more ambitious than pretty much any other game I've ever seen.
1: Yes. It and does. if you're
2: talking about like the Starfield direct, probably the single best presentation of any game ever. Like, I can't yep. even think of a, like any other game that had that, uh, 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 like a well oiled, deep look at everything. And to the point where even after 40 minutes, you're like, yo, I still need to know more.
1: <laughs> right. Yeah, man. 40 it, minutes is usually a long time. It's crazy to think about because, you know, there's the whole space trading aspect. There's the space combat aspect. There's the planet exploration combat. There's the, 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 the ship construction. The, yeah. uh, I mean, there's just so many different things to this game. and, it really is just the most ambitious, largest game that we've ever seen, and I think it's it's just going to be an absolute masterpiece when it comes out. I'm not. I'm trying not to hype it up because I always like to temper expectations, <laughs> you know. Um, but I think this is going to be a good one. Now,
2: hearing you say that makes me like, oh man, if MVG's feeling <laughs> oh, that, oh, I man. mean, I don't cross my fingers, knock on wood, you know, like. Uh, <laughs> But yeah, everything about that presentation was like, jeez. Yeah. And to think of how much better the game looked from one year to the next. Oh. Right. You know, because people were down on the delay and then people were down that didn't make it before June. But when you see the difference between what the towns look like and the characters look like and what the g- gunplay, how slow and awkward it seemed in that first trailer last year. Yeah. Versus now, where it looks really, it almost—I I mean, don't—I don't really mean this, but it almost looks like, hey, did Id do something there because it looks like way better. It'd be very, inter- like,
1: yeah, it'll be interesting to see when you know your old credits on that game, what studios were involved in the development. I wouldn't be surprised if if it had a hand in it, honestly, um, to help him out. Yeah,
2: I did. I did. Matt Booty did the interview last night, and he did say that, like, basically, virtually every QA tester on Microsoft's payroll is playing the game. Mm -hmm. And if it were to ship today, it would ship with the least amount of bugs a Bethesda game has ever came shipped with. And they
1: need need to do that, you know, because mm -hmm. this is, this is the biggest game of Xbox's career. Right. Uh, And also I mentioned, you know, we have game pass now and the pressure is on. You can't ship a, a buggy mess of a game on game pass. Because you're just gonna kind of lose people almost immediately. You know what I mean? I think it's worse selling a buggy game, right? You know, because if you put a game on Game Pass that is is buggy and it's not very good, like Redfall, for example, people are just gonna uninstall it like within a couple of hours, and that's being very generous. So they they have to make sure that this is a quality, quality launch. And I think that's probably the reason why they they delayed it, like you said, Rand. And that's probably the reason why every QA person at Xbox is now testing this game because they want to make sure this
0: is the most polished Bethesda product that's ever launched. And I think it will be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you know, Redfall is a good example there because even if they do have the 60 FPS patch eventually come out, even if they do address a lot of the bugs and issues that the game has, people have moved on. Yeah, There's, you're going to have to deliver something really meaningful to bring anybody back to that game because all the attention has now shifted to, to Starfield. That's the Bethesda game people are looking forward to. That's the Game Pass game people are looking forward to from Microsoft and Redfall is now a thing of the past. It's unfortunate that you know that's how things unfolded for that product, but that's the nature of the gaming industry now. If you don't deliver on day one a quality experience, you can't hope to patch it in 3 6 or 12 months and hopefully bring people back in. Some live service games do have that luxury. Redfall will not have that. It its fate has been sealed. It like the vampires in the game have been condemned to hell and they it's been staked. And the stake was a buggy launch. Good pun there. <laughs> I try. <laughs> it may not have stuck with everybody. <laughs> oh jeez. <laughs> but you know, with Starfield it feels as though, like, as we discussed, Microsoft finally has that energy on their side. And we're now, everyone's looking forward to it. And it, in a way, you know, it's that defining Game Pass game of 2023, despite them having a lot of Game Pass offerings still to come. In September alone, you have Lies of P, Starfield, Payday 3. Mm -hmm. that's some quality there. And that's a reason to get excited for the service. So in 2023, when you look at the showcase and if you look to game pass, while game pass was a focus in the showcase itself, the majority of the games on display were coming to game pass in some form. They really didn't have that strong of a focus in terms of major new game pass acquisition or deals coming in 2023. Like, yes, we saw the persona games payday three, but it almost felt as though game pass took kind of a back seat to just the games themselves do you either of you agree with that mm, what do you think rand
2: i mean i see what you're going for um and i do think that like the games matter more so i'm happier to like talk about like the games being on display outshining game pass um but i mean at the end of the day they still made the t- tell you every single time yeah day 1 on game pass right at the right. end right mm-hmm. and while it wasn't like it's not like star wars outlaws is a day 1 game pass game but i think it looks like they they use it to sort of like um diversify the content in there right you had like 33 immortals uh day 1 which like looks a hate like the art style looked ridiculous and it's 33 player co-op right Like, what other game out there is, like, 33-player co-op? And it's like, no, but it's Game Pass. And then you mentioned in September, you have Starfield, perhaps one of the biggest games of the gen. Immediately after, like, a week, you have Liza P, which is, you know, a Mm Soulsborne. You have Party Animals, you know, for the family coming out soon after that, plus Payday 3, which is, like, a four-player co-op shooter you can sort of see what Xbox is going for, even with some of the other announcements of uh, the dot nod climbing game
0: mm-hmm.
2: or the, um, uh, the Chinese rooms. Uh, I think it's like uh, the one where you're stuck on an oil rig. I forget the name. Oh of yeah, it. Uh, yeah. Still
0: wakes
1: the deep. Dude, that game looks good.
2: Yeah. They all look really good. And it's yeah. like, you see that and you're like, man, I want to play that. And you realize, Oh, cause the difference between the PlayStation show and the an Xbox show. Yeah. The first parties are different, right? That's, kind of the marketing beats of like, this is what the platform offers, but also the the games in between the Xbox. When you look at at the Xbox, all those games are playable on Game Pass for the most part. I think there was like five games that weren't. But when you look at it on the PlayStation side, usually is none of those games would be on PlayStation Plus Plus. So when you watch the Xbox show, I think it's more of a sell of the ecosystem. It's like, yeah, you have all these great first party titles, but then all these other games that look, cool and maybe interesting but like those are also on game pass so i think like the showcase sells the ecosystem a lot better than at least like the last playstation show um but i I do get what you're saying but i still think every every time the trailer ends boom yeah day one on game pass and i mean i was
1: i was looking for that with every single game because obviously you know i have game pass like 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 you guys do of course but I want to know what I can play and I'm, I'm saying for free in air quotes, but you know what I'm saying, right? Like I can just install this game, pre-install it and start playing it and versus having to to buy it. Right. But look, I, Nate, I, I, I know what you're saying and I don't disagree, but I think, you know, at the end, pretty much every game said, you know, day one on game pass. And I think they, they didn't really make an effort to kind of push push the game pass thing as much I guess as, as what they normally do but and maybe right. that's just a testament to the service kind of running itself now and, and kind of just getting more organic growth every time they they talk about new games that they've got to, to show us. but look game pass isn't going away it's it's going to be a very important part of any showcase or developer direct that they have going on in
0: the future. Yeah, definitely. Like As I reflect on the show a little more, it was just kind of surprising we didn't have that Game Pass sizzle reel of right. just some of the smaller games coming to it. It was really just that focus of we let the games speak for themselves and then ended their segment with coming to Game Pass day one, as Rand was mentioning. And it kind of just stood out to me when I looked back at the show, especially when you compare to prior years for Xbox, where it was you know, Game Pass. Look at all the games coming to Game Pass later this month in June. And we didn't have that at this showcase, which almost would have been that expectation of, we know the first half of the Game Pass release schedule for the month, but what's going to be in that second half, where usually they use the presentation to drop, you know, a few major announcements for the month, and we just didn't have that. So it was just an interesting pivot for them, but I think it worked in their favor where they let the game speak for themselves, they let us know which games are coming to Game Pass, and as Rand mentioned, out of the 27 games shown, 21 are coming to Game Pass. So that is a huge percentage. Oh, that's a huge conversion rate right there. Very excited about it. Yeah,
2: incredibly excited. I mean, there are some games there. I mean, not every game is obviously going to be something I want to play, but there are ones there that's just like who would have thought Dantna would make a rock climbing game and actually make it look interesting <laughs> right like i'm I, I was into that um
0: yeah nice, nice change of pace for them i mean people will know them more for you know life is strange they did tell me why games i you know enjoy and really would love to see you know more entries to you know tell me why but for them to do a rock climbing game that had beautiful aesthetics and unique gameplay approach it definitely has my attention and it comes out later this year so nice get for microsoft and you know not not to try something new outside of their comfort zone
2: plus there's not even there's even some of the games that they've announced before that you didn't see again like replaced yeah it's supposed to be this year flintlock another game that's supposed to be this year i know i don't think it i don't think it's this year but stalker two at some point whenever you know the game eventually comes up but there's other announcements that they they could have rolled out again for you to be like oh yeah this is another time we're seeing this game that uh you know that maybe would have weighed down the show a little bit like personally when they roll out stuff like Elder Scrolls online and Fall 76 like my eyes kind of glaze over you know <laughs> but, Yeah.
1: but those those games are always in showcases yeah they are yeah. But I, 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 I did like um, the fact... Sorry, sorry uh, Nate. I, I did like the fact that they did away with the we're only going to show you what's happening in the next 12 months thing. Thank God. Yeah, that was a... I mean, I think it's a cool experiment and I get the intent because people were telling them, you know, stop showing us CGI and stop showing us stuff that's not coming out for four more years or whatever. I get the intent, but the execution on that just wasn't good. I think the way that they you know, the way that they kind of paced this showcase, the 2023 one is, is the way that they should continue to do it going forward. Cause it, it really worked out.
0: I think had the games they showed in that 12 month window actually released, it would be a fine format to continue with, but considering almost every single game was delayed beyond, you know, Redfall. It's so hard to
1: commit to that. It's so hard to commit to the next whole month because I mean, Development obviously is very just it's so volatile. You know, all it takes, dude, all it takes is one key resource to leave a company, like a a lead developer or um, you know, someone that is um is very, very well knowledgeable in the project that it's been currently worked on. And you're in a situation where your timeline is under jeopardy. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, and that's just one (laughs) aspect. There's so many different factors that could cause a game to get delayed. So I think that whole notion of, you know, we're only going to focus on the next twelve months of these games coming out, or whatever is, is just, it's asking for trouble. Honestly, unless those games mm-hmm. have literally uh, been sent to certification and they're about to go gold,
0: there, there's just no way you can, you should be able to do that. You should do that in, in the future. It's yeah. just not, not yeah. A good thing. Like, conceptually i think it's a good idea it's just an impractical one cuz right. i'm sure you know last june team cherry was very confident they would have hollow knight silk song out by now and they came out a couple of weeks ago saying the vision keeps expanding and we need more time which kind of gets you know to the point of the question of if your game keeps expanding this much where you're now years beyond your original delivery date maybe it's time to just deliver what you have and stop expanding the game. But that's, that's a topic for a different day.
2: That's another game Pass day one stuff, but I'm happy they got rid of the 12 month. I mean, you just, you just look at the 12 month thing and you're like, you, you basically set a timer on your studios. Yeah. And if you can't deliver on it, then it seems like, oh, well you delayed a game. Like you didn't, you didn't meet your promise. Starfield and Forza didn't hit. And it just seems like, why would you put that pressure on your teams? And why would you want to take on the bad PR if you can't deliver on what you said you were going to deliver? And if you don't do that, why would anybody believe you yes. going forward about it? Right. And when you look at like this show in, in particular, you look at like some of the games that really caused a lot of people to be excited. It's like fable seeing it mm-hmm. uh, finally seeing clockwork revolution from an exile or seeing, the the incredible artistic style that Compulsion is going with were South of Midnight, which are three games that certainly would not have been at the show if it was a 12-month format, because those games are probably not even 2024. And then if you stick to 12 months, does Avowed even make it in?
1: Right. Does Hellblade
2: right. 2 even make it in? Because right. you don't know where those are positioned. So it's like when you strictly keep it to that time frame, I think you sort of lose some of the excitement that you can have Uh, that fans and everybody else uh, can experience for titles that are coming into the future. And that's one of the reasons why I was just like, no, you need to get rid of it. And you need to get rid of it for good because I don't really think it does It does uh, help. I think it hurts more than helps.
0: Yeah, and I mean, that's the thing when you look at a Sony showcase or a typical Sony showcase is they had no problem announcing a game two or three years in advance and then going silent for two years. You could go back to 2021 when they announced Spider-Man 2. We didn't hear the game again until just this year, when it's right around the time it's coming out. And no one had a problem with that because they gave you a release window or they gave you a target year and then go silent. We haven't heard a peep about Wolverine since it was announced two years ago. And Sony people are generally okay with that. So it definitely, but it gives you something to look forward to. It gives you that hype moment of, wow, what's coming into the future? And this is a good segue into the next topic point of how the showcase or whether or not the showcase showed the promise for 2024 and beyond from Microsoft's own studios. Because as you were mentioning, we saw Fable, we saw Avowed, we saw Hellblade 2, we saw Clockwork Revolution, we saw Compulsion's new game. We're finally seeing Microsoft's internal studios begin to you know, showcase what they've been working on all these years. Since 2020, we just kept seeing the same games over and over. Halo and Forza. Now we're beginning to see a little more breadth of what is in development. And it feels as though starting with Starfield and then going into 2024, the momentum is going to be there. We're going to have multiple first party releases in a single calendar year. And Matt Booty has come out and said their target is Four first-party games one each quarter. year. Yeah, one a quarter. Not counting smaller games. Right. Just four major releases. And he also said, you know, 2024, we still have games coming that we haven't announced yet. But we have a general outline of what 2024 could look like. Avowed Hellblade 2. Maybe, you know, maybe Clockwork Revolution makes it into 2024. You know, yeah, we're Tower
3: not too Born. sure. Towerborn. Tower
0: we're finally seeing the promise that Microsoft has been talking about for so long. Us as well. We, we have said time and time again, Microsoft just has to deliver. And it feels like come September, they're going to deliver on that promise and it's going to carry into 2024. Do you two agree with that? Go, right.
2: Uh Yeah. I think that's one of the reasons why people are so high in the show is because for a while it's always been, halo gears and forza what is all these other studios doing why they're taking all this time and now you're starting to see oh oh, okay that's fable and that's what it looks like oh wait but is it cgi no it says in game and in fact they, they said it's gameplay i saw developers at, at playground say it's captured from a series x it,
0: it was definitely gameplay and i mean there's three scenes you can look at when the chicken is kicked when you see the sword <laughs> hand-to-hand combat and when you see the fire spell used, that is clearly gameplay. Anyone who's played fable will recognize those camera angles.
2: Yeah. And then, you know, you, you get the other, like, okay, South of midnight. Now I can see what that is. Uh, clockwork revolution and, and not mention like the other games that you know are in development, like perfect dark and, and things like that. So now it's like, okay, so the last two years you've showed me the same stuff. And now I can see the breadth of what you're doing And it looks really fantastic. So now I can get excited. And I, I, you know, I'll go back to it again. One of the reasons is because Starfield, (laughs) like Starfield is like linchpin to it. Cause you're like, Oh, I'm getting this game in a couple months. And then when I turn over to 2024, I already know Hellblade two set for then and avowed and Towerborn, And who knows what else? And then the future beyond that, I got fable I got Clockwork Revolution. I got a Perfect Dark. Hey, it's software's working on something. Indiana Jones is coming. Like, you can sort of start to see they have the dominoes are set up yep. and they actually yeah. are starting to fall now. We, we've been thing. waiting for them to fall and now they're actually starting to fall.
0: Yeah, I mean, and some of the other dominoes, you know, in this pile are, as you mentioned, like State of K 3, The Outer Worlds 2, mm-hmm. Everwild, Contraband, we know id Software is working on a new game. Gears of War 6, Perfect Dark, Arcane Lions next game, Indiana Jones, Overdose by Hideo Kojima. There's just a long list of exclusive first-party games, and Starfield is that nudge. We also you know Halo Infinite. We know that Battle Royale will eventually come, but mm-hmm. Starfield is the domino that's going to fall, and this image of quality is finally going to form. And it's, as you said, that's why people are so high on this show. The promise feels as though it's finally being fulfilled. They finally have that W where Xbox fans can come out of the shadows and feel the warmth of the sun. Things are happening for us, things might be good for once. And that's exciting. It's good for the industry as well. It's not just for Xbox fans, it's good for the industry. And, you know, Hellblade 2. Definitely, I think one of the weakest elements of the showcase in terms of the gameplay demonstration, I mean, amazing audio cues, amazing visuals, but I just wanted to see the combat, which I know was a secondary feature to the first game, but the sequence that they chose to show just wasn't that hype inducing moment that you can, you can sell to the casual audience of saying, yo, you have to look at this game. Because all they're going to see is a woman standing in a cave having hallucinations, hearing things, and they're going to say, what did I just see? If you would have shown us a little bit of the combat, that's something that's marketable. So that's one of my little disappointments for them advertising going into 2024, some of their big releases. Because if you compare what we saw with Hellblade 2 and Contrast to Avowed, which showed you a lot of combat, a lot of diversity in the environments, the enemy types it, you'd almost think of you know Hellblade 2 is just going to be some walking simulator in comparison to these other action-oriented games like Clockwork Revolution, the time mechanic, watching the guy get sucked into the fan and just destroyed. It looked as though it had good shooting, magic. That's exciting. That's marketable. Hellblade 2 was a really odd decision for them at this particular showcase. And this is the third time we've seen the game.
2: Yeah. I mean... I wanted to see combat too, but I still have goosebumps from that sequence because that's, I mean, that's kind of what Hellblade is. It's her journey with the voices and the story and the writing. Um, I, I wanted to see combat too though, Nate. So I am with you on that one, but I, I didn't think the trailer, I didn't think that trailer was boring. I was hundred percent all in on it.
1: I thought it was, uh, I thought it was okay. Um, I get Nate's point. I would have liked to have seen a little bit more. I think the, the difficulty I have with saying that stuff uh, that Hellblade two kind of knocked it out of the park was we've already seen it three times before, right? We've in in various forms. Obviously, the first time we saw it was when it was the launch of of the Series X generation. And look, the game has undergone an engine swap since then to UE five, which, by the way, it looks freaking incredible. Let's be honest, it looks fantastic. But you kind of feel like we must be getting close to the end of development on this game, you know? So it would have been nice to have seen a little bit more, but maybe we'll see something early next year um, for with, with Hellblade 2. Maybe there is, maybe there is a plan for Hellblade 2 and, and that involves getting Starfield out of the way first before you really ramp up the marketing
0: on Hellblade 2. Yeah. And, you know, one of the surprises from a social media standpoint is the reception that Avowed got. It's very mixed. I thought this was going to be a game that once they showed the gameplay, they showed the visual direction, that people were going to be excited. Instead, because it has a less realistic and more of a cartoony aesthetic, people are going hard on the game and they're not impressed by it. Despite it coming, it's coming from Obsidian, one of the best Western RPG developers in the industry. And you know they've released a couple of games at this point. I understand that they're grounded in pentiment. Nobody played pentiment here, but me. But <laughs> I played it for an hour. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> so, wasn't I, mean, my kind I looked at avowed. Avowed looks. I think it looks good. I, is it because of the colors? Do people not like bright games? Was that is that the turnoff for people? Did either of you look at avowed and say, "I don't I, like
1: this"? I liked avowed. In fact it kind of went from a game that I was like, yeah, this is pretty okay to something that I'm kind of wanting to play. I, I thought that the trailer kind of sold me on the game, to be honest with you. I liked the color. Um, I liked everything that I saw in, in, in that trailer. So I'm not really sure what the takes uh, on, on Twitter are about. Uh, maybe Rand, maybe you have more of an idea, but I, I liked about, it. I thought it was, I thought it was good because, you know, We've heard some stories from Jason Schreier and Bloomberg about the game being um, in some kind of development hell and it's it's not you know hasn't been going all its own way over the last few years and there's been some different talk and uh, about the game internally. Uh, look, I liked it. I thought it was um, a really good showing at the showcase. but what have you heard, Rand? have you heard anything about it on, on Twitter and stuff?
2: I mean, social media, I mean, you always will have, like, the console warriors always downplay each other's games, right? And they'll pick the one that's maybe the weakest link. And Avowed did seem to, like, maybe have its art direction somewhat changed from that CGI trailer from 2020. Oh, no doubt. where Where it seemed darker. Yeah. And this one seemed brighter. So a lot of people are looking at it like, well, wait a minute, what happened? Maybe we were sold a false bill of goods. Um, but I believe I don't know. Uh, you can speak for yourself here, Nate. But I saw gameplay of it in 2021 pre-alpha, and what I saw of it resembled what the game is here. It always kind of the way I always described it was a brighter Skyrim, like mm-hmm. Outer Worlds mm-hmm. meets like Skyrim was kind of the vibe yeah. that it looked like to me. So when I was saw the trailer. I was like, yeah, this look kind of looks exactly what I was expecting it to look like. But I guess if you saw the darker CGI trailer and were expecting it to be that, you know, if you had that in your head, maybe you would end up being disappointed, but I've seen a lot of journalists also say that nobody plays Obsidian games for the graphics. It's all about like story, consequences. Mm-hmm. So like they're confident that you know, Avald's going to be a great game. And let's be honest, like, I don't think that game's coming out until a year from now, you know, a, maybe even end of next year. Yeah. And we already saw how much Starfield improved from one year to the next. So there's always a chance avowed, you know, looks a little bit cleaner, looks a little, you know, a little bit sharper, uh, you know, but I think it'll more, sh- it'll probably shine better when you can, they can show off like what makes an Obsidian game an Obsidian game, right? Yeah. Instead of just like quick Cuts of, of of stuff going on where it's like, oh, this kind of just looks like a brutif- uh, more colorful Skyrim, but I don't know, you know?
0: <laughs> yeah, they weren't able to, you know, highlight the you know the dialogue trees that Obsidian is famous for. It's always yeah. the story and the dialogue and the way you interact with characters. That's what Obsidian really thrives at. And you can't, you could show it in a trailer, but then you would have had complaints of, why am I getting a narrative trailer? I want to see the combat. So they showed us combat with a lot of enemy diversity. I mean, they had that weird looking bear that had like mushrooms or something growing on it. Then you had lizard creatures. And as you know, you were mentioning earlier, a couple of years ago, I had seen some early footage and I had even mentioned on like social media and such that I was looking forward to how people were going to respond to the visual direction of the game. I didn't think it would be this negative. I thought it would have been positive of like, Oh, I really like the fantasy style. And I'm not that familiar with the pillars of eternity Games, But I've heard that this matches that very well. This is exactly, you know, that tone that that series has. So it feels as though Obsidian knew exactly what they were doing and the artistic direction is genuine for that series, even though, you know, this is related to Pillars of Eternity. It's not an exact entry to the franchise. I was definitely taken aback by some of the negativity around this game. I thought people would have been genuinely very excited for what the game is delivering in terms of the gameplay direction, as well as visually. So a little, little shocked by it, but you know, to each their own, I guess. Yeah.
1: Reminds me of the same thing with Prince of Persia, the new 2d one. Like a lot of people don't like it. Um, I think it looks fantastic.
2: I think that game looks incredible. Yep. Yep. I I like I will say that first trailer. I don't think the music really helped out a lot, right? But even even yeah. Im- immediately, I was like, this is a game I want to play. Then you find out it's made from the Ray- Rayman Legends team, and I'm like, oh wait a minute, that that's a, an amazing. Ge-. And then you see the gameplay today, and I'm like, dude, I, I'm there day one for this. T-. That oh, was yeah. the best thing they showed at at the Ubisoft thing was the gameplay for for this. I, I can't wait for the new Prince of Persia.
0: Yeah, especially I mean, come from the Rayman team, you know that's quality. They don't turn out subpar 2D games, so you know this is going to have some fantastic game design. And yeah, the music I think was the misfire in that initial trailer. They probably should have done something a little more mystical and accurate to the game itself than this, you odd, know, maybe rock music.
2: Maybe maybe it's the graphics. Maybe it's like people are like. We want hyper-reali- hyperrealistic, like graphics instead of have more heavily sty- uh, stylized. Like Avowed is stylized, and it's clearly Prince of Persia is stylized compared to the other ones. So when when people see that, maybe they think in their head, "Oh, this is just looks like a mobile
1: game." Yeah, or it looks like an Xbox right. One game or a PS4 yeah. game. It, you're, yeah. I think you're right, like because you know we've we've been. There's all this marketing around UE5 and Unity and, and and these engines that that do realistic looking graphics and amazing looking physics and and all that sort of stuff. We saw that Matrix demo like a year ago, right? Which was kind of promising the future of what next generation gaming would become. And these games, you know, they have a style about them, they have an aesthetic about them, but I think graphically, I think people are expecting more. They're expecting, you know, like you said, photorealism and stuff like that, which is just absurd really to think about because, you know, those games like the Matrix demo, right? Well, that that, that tech demo that they showed, um, that's not something that we're going to get on, on consoles for a very, very long time. You know, that's kind of the, the exception rather than the rule at this point. Developers are still trying to figure out UE5. That stuff is, I mean, I think there was a, an announcement of the first ever UE5 game outside of Fortnite recently. Um, I can't remember which what, what the game was, but... E-
2: like, it's the EA game, right? Immortals yeah, of Avium, I that's think right. it
1: is? that's right. Yeah, it's running on UE5. I mean, this stuff isn't going to be around for a while. You know, it, 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 we should really think of this more of a, a a a look into the future rather than what we expect to see. But, you know, we have games like Hellblade 2 that, that does look next you know next level right um so there's going to be a, a slow push into that world but like games like avowed i mean they've been in development for a, for quite a while you would think you would say that like you guys were talking about how you've seen looks at this game for back, going back to 2021 like how long has this game been in development for i mean this is not something that you know we would expect to see photorealism in any stretch so i think people just mm-hmm. really need to temper expectations when it comes to you know, to these these games that are kind of and, coming yeah. out this year and next type of thing.
0: Yeah, I mean, the game's been developing for a while. I had seen some alpha footage of Clockwork Revolution about two years ago as well. Right. And the footage I had seen back then compared to what we saw this week, it's a huge difference in terms of quality, geometry, texture work, and everything. So, you know, yeah, things, you know, take time to develop. But, you know, in 2024 and beyond, we have Hellblade 2, Fable, Avowed, Towerborn, Clockwork Revolution, all coming from, you know, Microsoft. We also whoa, have, whoa, you know, whoa. Microsoft Flight Simulator. Yeah, thank you. I'll get it there for you. Thank Dude, you. People
2: are upset about that, MVG. I don't know if you've seen that. No, why?
0: Well, because it's a Because it's a
1: new game.
2: What's wrong with that? <laughs> well, no, because the community, well, the the at least from what I can gather, the Flight Sim community is mad that it's a new game.
1: Wait a minute, wait a minute. Do you know how many versions of Flight Simulator there are out there? Like Microsoft used to release like one every single year back in the Windows days. You know, the Windows like 95 yeah. days.
2: Yeah, I'm just saying that I, I saw some, <laughs> some people that were like, what the hell? It's, I didn't know it was a new game.
1: I think the game looks great. Like it, it feels like they're making it more of a game than a simulation. Like they're, they're adding all these different like challenges and stuff you can do. It reminds me of like... Pilot wings on the N sixty four. So, um, I, I will say though, Rand, I, I was a little surprised that it was a new game at the end because I thought it was just like an add on, you know, because like that's kind of yeah, what that's we, what I was we thought. But halfway through the presentation, I was like, "Wait a minute, wait a minute!" Like I've played Flight Simulator enough to know that the graphics don't look this don't look this good, you know, uh, and and maybe um, I thought, well, maybe they're, they're you know they this is a new version. And then at the end, it was like 2024, and I was like, whoa, this is a new game, you know? Yeah. So I, I can see why they're doing that, but I didn't really know that people were upset about it. That's pretty funny.
2: Now, there's some people upset. I When they showed the trailer in their like, Xbox Game Studios Presents, which they showed 11 of them, right? Yeah. And it was a Sobo. I'm like, oh, Sobo's actually
1: going to... And then it was flight sim. I'm like, oh,
2: <laughs> <laughs> I got really excited there for a minute. Man.
1: And it was just flight sim. I, was I like, love oh. flight, dude. I love flight simulator. I know that I'm a, an old boomer, but man, I love that game. It's so good. It's so much. You fun. are you are an old boomer. Hey, I'll be playing it next year.
0: I mean, it does look cool. I like a lot of the stuff they were showing. The wildfires, the what was some of the other things you had in their rescue like search mission. And yeah, yeah. yeah. Right. it's crop
1: dusting. Come on. What other game does let you do crop dusting? I'm sure there's something <laughs> other than Fable.
0: That's true. <laughs> Two crop dusting games in a single presentation, and a few games that had an odd fascination with sandwiches because even Fable had her eating a sandwich at the end of the trailer. Then Starfield just kept talking about sandwiches
2: and big characters, the giant in Fable and like yeah. the bigger, bigger person in
0: Compulsion's game. It was like, yeah. huh. A little bit of maybe there's some agreement in tone with some of these trailers. But, you know, as we talked about with 2024 and beyond with those games, Hellblade, Fable, Avowed, Clockwork, Towerborn, Flight Simulator. Are you surprised we didn't have that one last thing at the end of the presentation with maybe, you know, the games that we gave the list earlier with like an Indiana Jones or like my personal expectation as the show was going on? Like you open with Fable. It's like, okay, you're starting with a big moment. Then you went to Avowed. It was like, okay, another update on a game that we were anticipating for the show. Then we got Hellblade 2. Then we got Forza. It was like, okay, these are all the games we were expecting Microsoft to have at the showcase. And it felt as though they were gearing up towards something to end the show on, on a high note. And then it just ended. It ended with a Series S one terabyte black model. And Phil Spencer saying, and one last thing, here's our Starfield Direct. It felt as though I thought we were going to get Gears of War 6. We were going to get an mm. in-game teaser trailer type of thing just to set the tone of what the game will be, even though the game is still two to three years out. Just for that hype moment, were either of you surprised that the show kind of ended so flat-footed? See,
2: okay. So I felt like you the same way. I was just like, okay, Fable starting. All right. Oh, avowed already? Oh, hell! I was like, oh my god, what the hell is going to close? And it sort of seemed to me that if the Starfield Direct wasn't immediately after Clockwork Revolution would have closed. I feel like that would have been the one more thing. But instead, because they did what I think was the best choice of having this whole thing back to back, I honestly think they ended it the best way they could have with 40 minutes of Starfield Direct. Mm -hmm. I I don't think anything they could have done would have sold Xbox and Game Pass better than
0: Starfield. Yeah, I would agree with that. I would agree.
1: Nate, you said gearing up. So I can only assume that you felt like there was a Gears 6 spot that ended up not making
0: the cut. I felt like this would have been a good time to show Gears of War six just because it's, it's one of your iconic franchises under your brand and all that negative publicity and press around the coalition over the last several months about canceled games, about maybe there being, you know, layoffs and Mm -hmm. instability at the studio. What better way to silence that than showing Gears of War six with an in engine trailer only has to be you know maybe 30 seconds have the logo come out but show us that the visual spectacle that the game could potentially be and when you think of the coalition we know they worked on the matrix demo Yep, yeah. we know what they're capable of and we know they're going to be you know using ue5 to its fullest that would just been that moment of wow this is what we're getting from the xbox in terms of visuals in the coming years and you know to like Rand's point, maybe they didn't need that at this particular showcase, because you could look at Fable, which still has people arguing that it wasn't gameplay, that it wasn't in engine, that it wasn't running on a series X, that it was CG. Maybe you didn't need another game to get people fighting over, whether it was in game, in engine, CG or anything. You already delivered high quality games and then you ended the show at Starfield. So maybe you didn't need Gears of War 6 but I definitely felt as though they were building up to something like that to get people excited about that one more game moment. And here's what we have coming from our major franchise, from one of our best in-house developers.
1: Yeah, look, we we can only speculate. We don't really know what the situation was, but I do agree. I feel like maybe there was a pivot where they... They took out the, the one more thing, thing at the end, potentially. Because the other thing that we have to remember is there was a Starfield trailer in the showcase. And I was a little yeah. taken aback by it. I was like, well, why is this here? Aren't we going to see like 40 minutes of it later? Which we did. So maybe the play was Starfield would close the show, um, but... This was before they they knew that they had a forty minute you know deep dive right because I could see something like that happen but the fact that Starfield was in the showcase as a, a as a little trailer was a little strange to me but I I do I do agree with you Nate that I feel like maybe there was a a, a closeout with something that in the end didn't make it for whatever reason
2: you know I I thought the same about the Starfield trailer but. Mm-hmm. I think I eventually settled on the reason it was there is because maybe they felt people wouldn't stay tuned in for the Starfield Direct.
1: Yeah, yeah that, that was that, my line of thought as well. I mean, a bunch of YouTubers ran to start editing their videos as soon as the showcase finished while the, the Starfield stuff was going on. So, I mean, that does make sense. And,
2: dude, that was an incredible trailer. Oh, <laughs> like, my God.
1: Yeah, it was great. So...
2: I mean, yeah, I guess, I guess I could see like, oh, the one more thing, because it is kind of, oh, here's a Series S, black version, one terabyte, <laughs> just in time for Starfield, and it's just like, and it was odd, it, the way Phil worded it was odd. It's like we heard you about lack of storage, so guess what? Go buy another console.
0: You know, like it's kind of like, well, I don't yeah, know. it wasn't like we're releasing, yeah some memory cards that are yeah, or, actually well-priced. Or we're, we're strict. Uh, we're
1: relaxing um, more series S and X exclusive games. So you can install them on external hard drives and stuff, you know, like something like that would have been, would have been better. But, you know, I think about the, the last time they closed out a show and that was Redfall, right? Like oh, at their oh. showcase. So maybe they they were a little gun shy about closing closing out with something this time around. I, I don't know.
0: You know, like I just, so I just figured it out. MVG. what do you got? They were going to close out the showcase with Redfall 60fps, oh, but they listened no, to you no, and you no. said, "Don't put Redfall on the show." Dude. And they scrambled at the last minute and said, "What do we do?" They're like, "Let's just have Phil stand there awkwardly and pivot to the Starfield direct."
1: I I hope they did that, Phil. If you're listening, good job. You know, it's funny.
2: Redfall Redfall <laughs> did get a its first patch today, by the way. Oh, yeah? Yeah, they updated a whole bunch. It doesn't get the 60 FPS patch, but they updated a whole bunch of stuff about it. I thought it was interesting because okay. Kotaku wrote an article after the showcase saying Xbox's last big exclusive uh, didn't show up at its most recent showcase. <laughs> I was like, but why would you expect Redfall to be at the Xbox showcase? I don't understand. I told it literally just so. came out.
0: They want to write an article complaining had it been. Yeah, I
2: suppose. But why not write an article being like PlayStation's last big exclusive God of War Ragnarok didn't show up PlayStation Showcase. That's true. I don't know. Weird.
0: (laughs) So this is one topic I do want to discuss is the representation of Japanese software in the showcase because we had five games. We had a game from Capcom, a new IP with Path of the Goddess. We then had Atlas with Persona 3 Reload and Persona Tactica. And then we had Sega with Like a Dragon Infinite Wealth. Do you feel as though maybe the tide has turned for Microsoft when it comes to Japanese support, having these games be headlined in the showcase, or do you think this is just Microsoft writing a bunch of checks?
2: Little calm, eh? Little calm,
1: I think. Yeah, I think the tide is turning the tide hasn't turned, but the tide is turning. I've heard that Sarah Bond is, is very aggressive pushing these Japanese uh, deals. Um, And I think we're starting to see a lot of that come to fruition right now. Look, I I think it's a good move for them, Um, but I don't know if, if the tide has completely turned at this point, but I think they still have more work to do. And these were some really good gets for the showcase. And uh, I, I, other than the fact that you know some of them were already leaked, which is very disappointing, um, I'm sure that they would have wanted to have just announced that in the, on their own terms. These were pretty big games for them, so yeah. Look, that there's more work to do, but they're doing all you know they're doing the right things. Definitely.
0: I mean, three of the five Japanese games are on Game Pass, which would be the Capcom Path of the Goddess game, the two Persona games, and then the two games that aren't on Game Pass. Would be like a dragon and a metaphor RE Fantasio, which is from Atlas as well. I would say after the showcase, because you know I've I've discussed Persona 6 now a few times, and the only version of Persona 6 I am personally aware of is a PlayStation 5 version. Mm-hmm. And I have speculated that I wouldn't be surprised if it is timed exclusive for Sony, because you know, every new mainline entry of Persona has been. Exclusive to the PlayStation. After this showcase and seeing the effort that Microsoft is making and the partnership that they have with Atlas, I have to start to begin to believe that Microsoft is making an aggressive play to have Persona 6 day and date Mm. with the PlayStation 5 version on the Xbox. I hope so. That would be huge. Because you're making a lot of effort to get all these Persona games on Game Pass. And mm-hmm. that's costing you money. And there's a reason behind this. This isn't just, hey, you know, we just want these. Things. No, you, you're doing this for a reason. You want to create that diversity in your library where you're catering to the Japanese market with games that you know they're going to enjoy. But you're also getting that Western audience to, you know, enjoy the games as well. But this last year we had Atlas as a headliner at the Microsoft show when you had Persona 3, 4, and 5 all get announced for Game Pass. Now, this year, two more Persona games. They're trying to make Persona and the Xbox kind of synonymous with each other. And that is a great challenge. But for some reason, Microsoft is very invested in this. So if Persona 6 is a day, I mean, if it is multi-platform on day one, it's going to be because Microsoft made a large play at it. And I can't dismiss that possibility right now. Yeah. Yeah. I mean,
2: I think it's also I think it's really cool to see, because if you would have said five years ago that Atlas would be coming back to Xbox in force or even that Yakuza would make the jump, I'd be like, you're crazy. Yeah, I was gonna That's say not going to happen. I was
1: going to say right. exactly the same thing, Rand.
2: But right. here you have all the Yakuza games and now you have like the next mainline Yakuza 8 launching day one, not Game Pass, but launching day one. You have... You know, the Persona 3, the Persona 3 uh, reload and the Persona 5 tactical would have been people would have been hyped if those didn't leak. Yeah. Because you know how excited Persona fans get. People would be like, oh my God, really? It's true? And then a brand new game. But I think it worked better this year than last year because last year it seemed like it was focused like, hey guys, Phil Spencer here. Let's take five minutes out of the showcase to have the Japanese block. Here's Team Ninja here's Kojima, Mm -hmm. here's three Persona games, right? We're trying our best. You're like, all right, good job, Phil. You you said you would improve the relationships, and you have. This year, they were just distributed among the games. Like, it was just any other game that would be coming to the Xbox platform that wasn't kind of highlighted. So I feel like it it, worked better because it was just like, oh, here's a couple games. Oh, Persona 3. Here's a couple games. Oh, Yakuza. Right. So it's just like, oh, this sort of seems like it's more of a standard rather than having to be like highlighted like it right. was the year previous. Yeah. So
0: you just expect these games to be on our platform now. That's how we yeah. need to feel. And I mean, I really like how they're playing friendly with, you know, Capcom. You have Exo mm. Primal coming to Game Pass in about a month, regardless of the game's quality. And then you have this brand new IP with Path of the Goddess and you had Monster Hunter on Game Pass. They, they're kind of pick and choosing the Japanese publishers that they want to go to, and they're recognizing the quality that they can offer and how it will benefit on Game Pass. And it's really encouraging for both the Xbox brand and Game Pass as a subscription service. Because if you're able to make these bonds with these Japanese developers, this is going to help your platform significantly moving forward. And then, you know, if the time comes where Capcom decides they want to reboot Dead Rising, And as I gave him my predictions, when you think of Dead Rising, which platform do you think of? You think of the Xbox. Xbox. It started on the Xbox 360. Dead Rising 3 was on Xbox 1. So if a Dead Rising reboot is to come, Xbox is the platform you would expect to make a play for. Have it there, you know, Game Pass Day 1 if you can. Because you know Sony's, they're always going out of their way to secure Resident Evil marketing and Final Fantasy. They're They're always going to make the play to keep those prestigious major third party games out of Japan as there. And that's a regional thing where there's just some honor and loyalty at play where the companies say, Sony's a Japanese studio. We're loyal to them. We're not going to betray them by going to the American company, Microsoft. But if Microsoft is able to heighten their presence in Japan, all of a sudden the companies are going to begin to acknowledge Microsoft more and more. And I think having Atlas on the platform is kind of symbolic of that. That is a company that is hardcore Japanese and they're coming to the Xbox now. So it feels as though that tide is turning a little bit more in the favor of Xbox. I wouldn't say it's as high as it was during the original Xbox or even the 360 generation, but they're getting back to those days and I'm sure there's people listening who don't remember all the Japanese deals that Microsoft used to have during the original Xbox and early oh my 360 God. days. The mm-hmm.
1: amount of FromSoft games that run on the OG Xbox and 360, there's a ton of them.
2: Lost Odyssey, Blue Dragon, yep, Last Remnant, all the cave shooters. Uh, Eternal Sonata, yeah, like there's a Tales whole state.
0: Tales of Asperia was exclusive. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
2: they made an effort. They definitely did. I mean, I. I mean who wouldn't kill for a lost odyssey 2 at this point, right? That'd that would be something.
0: There would be. Even a blue dragon. I mean, like they're getting those RPGs even from Square Enix, which I know that's a that's a point of contention in terms of discussion that they have some sort of rift between them. But even when you look at Square Enix support on the Xbox, you had Final Fantasy 7 through 13 all on Game Pass. You had Dragon Quest 11, you had Octopath Traveler they've still delivered a lot of quality to the system.
2: Yeah, but where's Foam Stars on Xbox, huh?
0: <laughs> isn't that that isn't that doing them a favor?
2: I mean, but even still, like <laughs> why wouldn't you want your games as a service shooter to be on like, you know, more platforms? Why keep it like do we think Sony actually just spent money and, and secured exclusivity for Foam Stars?
0: Yeah, they were like we need that Splatoon killer. What yeah. kills what kills ink better than
2: but apparently Foam Stars oh. is the game of the show. People were talking it. I've seen a lot of journalists say it was the best game they played at like Summer Games Fest or whatever.
0: Well, I guess we'll see.
2: <laughs> Where's my Foam Stars, Nate?
0: On the PlayStation. Oh. So if you want to play it, you got to get a PS5. Oh, it's on PS4 though, so. Well, then get a PS4. Hmm. But it also feels like one of those announcements, if it came to the Xbox people, and let's say Microsoft signed Foam Stars to Game Pass, people would have been sitting there saying, why did you get this?
2: Yeah, where's Final Fantasy 7 Remake? The one everybody
0: wants. That's that's Sony, man. Sony's like, you're never getting this game. Mm-hmm. They just keep writing checks, I think. Yeah, they're like, how much more to keep it on the PlayStation? $500,000. Here you go. Like, right, well... getting
2: it. At least we know the frame rate that Starfield runs on PlayStation 5 zero.
0: Whoa. You really had to go there in this episode. I'm
2: just saying as like, you know, <laughs> Sony keeping Final Fantasy to themselves, you know.
0: I really had to go there. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and now I know now I know what the comments are gonna be.
2: Now nobody listened this long.
0: <laughs> That's the test. If you listen this long, make that your comment in the comment section below. <laughs> yeah and i i want to conclude with just our general thoughts on the showcase itself you know if we thought there could have been any room for improvement and stuff just quick thoughts nothing too nothing too radical or in depth
2: i mean I, I, for me i gave the show like a b plus low like an a minus um i was disappointed we didn't see Hellblade 2 combat which i mean if it was there i would have been like okay show's an a and i i know it makes all the business sense in the world but i'm sorry I just don't like it when they delve into live service stuff. I just, it loses all momentum for me. Yeah. Cause cause it's like, all right, here's two minutes that it's just, I don't care. Here's another two minutes. Right. And it's, and we didn't even see Halo Infinite or some of the other games like grounded. And it was, we still got mm-hmm. sea thieves and we got the, the two Bethesda ones. But other than that, it's like, I liked, you know, the looks at the game's, from 2020 the the look at the you know the roadmap for next year the deep dive of starfield so like yeah my my complaints are just basically small ones needed to see combat for hellblade and i know it won't ever happen but a lack of live service updates for games i couldn't care less about
1: (laughs) i uh i agree with rand for the most part i thought i gave the show a b plus yesterday and that was right after it had finished but I mean it's been over 24 hours now and I I think a b plus is is about right for me um I agree with the live service stuff I don't want to see Elder Scrolls online and see if thieves updates in these showcases these things could be twitter drops let's be honest they don't need to take up time and it kind of loses you you know uh as well like it, it just kind of The pacing is really good and then all of a sudden you get this live service block of games and you just, you know, it really just kind of detracts from the showcase overall. And look, I think other than that, I was very, very happy with this show. This was one of their best for a very long time, to be completely honest with you. And it needed to be as well. Uh, And that's, that's a great thing for Xbox because, you know, Aaron Greenberg was hyping up the show like he always does every single year. And I kind of went into this feeling like I think this is going to be good. There's a lot of signs that, you know, that make seem like this show is going to be a good showcase, but you never really know until you know that you actually sit down and watch everything. But thinking back now, I was, uh, was very happy with everything. Um, even the Hellblade two stuff, I wasn't as critical as Rand was. I, I get, I get it. We probably needed to see a little bit more of that game, but I also understand that um, Hellblade 2 is probably going to get its own time to shine at a later date. So I can't really fault fault Microsoft too much for that. But yeah, get rid of the live services stuff. There's really no no place for it there. Just put it in a Twitter drop. But yeah, B plus for me, very, very good showing. Xbox, uh, look, it's exciting. You know, it's 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 exciting to be an Xbox fan again after the disaster of of last month in May, where it just seemed like they had completely lost their way. This was a very solid clapback. And look, I'm excited about Xbox going into 2024. I think they've got a very, very strong showing of games. And I think the future is very bright.
0: Yeah, I also came in at around a B plus after the show had concluded last night. And you know, I wasn't too sure if maybe I was still in that honeymoon phase due to the phenomenal Starfield direct portion of the show, which was mind blowing. I think I would still settle in at a B plus, as we discussed throughout the show. You know, the Hellblade two sequence was definitely a low point for me, but just that the lineup of games that were on display, the fact that everything Microsoft had shown from their studios was in game or in engine is really encouraging. We saw some. Beautiful games from those studios. And I wish we got a little more in terms of release dates or release windows and targets for some of the games. But, you know, a lot of those, we know they're coming out, be it 2025, late 2024, what have you. So we can get updates on them in the coming months, early next year. It doesn't detract any excitement or hype from them. It was the show Microsoft needed at the moment. They were able to demonstrate why Starfield is going to be the next big thing. Why it can be the best game of 2023, if not the best game of the generation. This could be the new template for Western RPGs, just like Skyrim was before it. So it's a very exciting time for Xbox. And if you're a fan of the Xbox and even just a fan of the industry, I felt as though this was a show you could have watched and said, wow, I'm really excited about that direction of Fable, a franchise that's been dormant for so long. And now that we know the tone and direction of the game, you can get excited for it. And I'm really looking forward to how Microsoft just continues to go into the future. Because since it launched back in 2020, there's really been minimal reason to be excited about the brand. You had Halo get delayed right out of the gate. You had to wait until Forza Horizon 5 came onto the scene to really get excited. And there's just been nothing since then. Now it feels as though the generation is starting for the Xbox series. Yeah. Whereas the PlayStation 5 started right on day one. But now they're hitting that lull. And now the Xbox is beginning to fire on all cylinders. So they've have kind of swapped places. Not that That's not saying the PlayStation 5 doesn't still have quality games coming up. It does with Spider-Man 2. But now it feels as though we're going to get that... Steady flow of release from Microsoft, and that's exciting for the brand. It's exciting for the series, and it's good for the industry. So it was definitely a quality show, probably the best showcase to date mm-hmm. in the month of June.
3: Mm-hmm. And Oh,
0: yeah. I mean, that's saying something. I mean, Microsoft hasn't been in that position in a long time. So, you know, I hope Microsoft is taking all the feedback that they got from this show So if they have a developer direct again next year, when they do another showcase next year, they have a better idea of how to approach it. I know Matt Booty said, hey, we still have Gamescom and maybe some other stuff this year where we can make additional announcements and give further looks at some games. So if they have anything else planned for this year, definitely exciting. I mean, this is their second presentation in 2023. We're halfway through the year. And generally, I would say they also did well with the developer direct back in January. Yeah, it was very good. So very good. Feels as though they're getting their footing in terms of presentation styles. And, hey, it's good times to be an Xbox fan and there's a lot to look forward to in the future with this strong lineup of games that we finally got in-depth looks at. So, hey, let's go, Microsoft. Bring the industry some joy and something to talk about.
1: Good job. And, yeah, look, having Xbox doing well, the industry is doing well. You know, like, the fact that they are... Um, back on track is is a good thing for the industry and
0: and game gamers in general. So it's uh it's very positive. Yep. And with that, we can go to the Streamlabs portion of the episode, where our first ep- where our first question comes from Calvin Atkinson, who donated one hundred dollars and whom this episode is dedicated to. And they write, "Hey Nate and MVG, given the sheer amount of Final Fantasy content coming out." How do you think Square Enix plans to reveal in market the Final Fantasy IX remake, and will we see it revealed in 2023 with a 2024 release date? If it's to be to be revealed this year, it won't be in, until late this year. I would wager that it gets revealed early next year, probably after Final Fantasy VII Rebirth is brought to market, and then it will release in the second half of 2024.
2: Really? That early? Like that quickly? Like end of 2024 Final Fantasy IX remake? Wow.
0: Yeah, I don't think it would get that much of a... I think it would be like a six-month marketing cycle. Mm I don't think it needs anything too big. But, I mean, the game... I believe the announcement's already been delayed once before. So, who knows what's square. They could delay it again, I guess, if they want.
2: Do they need to announce it? Like I doesn't it it feels like well you still got Final Fantasy sixteen about to come out and then you got Rebirth like do you need to announce Final Fantasy nine right now it doesn't seem so it doesn't seem like it
0: no that's where if they want to wait until early next year they could but after seeing the way they approached Summer Games Fest where we're two weeks out from the release of Final Fantasy sixteen you didn't need a Final Fantasy seven Rebirth trailer there that did yeah, but- sixteen no favors you undermined that release hardcore. All for the sake of what? Two discs. Two discs.
1: Getting, and getting Jeff Keighley on your side. The rumors were true. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I,
2: <laughs> I was like, what is this? Grand Theft Auto 6 or something? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, what are we talking about? Like, what rumors?
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I really didn't like that marketing approach by Square Enix there because it wasn't necessary. You could have waited a month and dropped the Rebirth trailer in September at the Tokyo Game Show and we have got the exact same reception. Why yeah, but it's, it?
2: it's like, huh? why not also have it at Sony show? I mean, like Sony paid in for that game, like why that, not? And yeah, I mean that would have been a big moment for them.
0: It's it's weird. I wasn't a fan though. But we then had a dollar donation from Jackie G. Do you think the current fighting game renaissance will lead to more publishers wanting to throw their hat in the ring for a theoretical phase two? Could we see? Return of games like Dead or Alive, Virtua Fighter, Killer Instinct, or Jump Force 2. Okay, I think one, Jump Force 2 should never happen. I think we'll see some of those revived. Yeah, Killer Instinct, I say, will make a comeback. Dead or Alive, I think, will make a comeback. Virtua Fighter? I hope Virtua Fighter makes a comeback,
1: but it's one of those games that probably won't.
2: yeah. I mean, I want Killer Instinct to come back for sure. And uh, it is. It isn't kind of weird how like all three fighting games decided, oh, we're going to come out in the same year. Really, really close to one another. Because not yeah. just Street Fighter 6, but Mortal Kombat 1 and Tekken 8. Yeah. It's like, hmm. It's like sometimes like in the in Hollywood where like they released the same movie, <laughs> Bugs Life and was the other one or or like the two asteroid movies. Like uh, uh, Armageddon, yeah, Armageddon. and, and, uh, and uh, like
1: Two Hulk movies yeah. or something. Yeah,
2: so it's like, hmm, why would they all decide to do this now? Yeah, I mean, yeah, didn't I, Mortal Kombat One look incredible though?
1: Oh, dude, looked really good. Jeez. Uh, look, I think, yeah. I think uh, popular fighting games that have been dormant for a while. I think this is a really good time to, you know, to, uh, fire up PowerPoint and create a pitch deck and uh, send it off and see how, how you go because. Fighting games are, are very popular right now.
0: You yeah. heard it here first. Power Stone's coming back via MVG. Well,
1: Power Stone was on, Power Stone was a part of that Capcom League, wasn't
0: it? Yeah, but that also said a new Oni was coming, and we got Princess.
1: Well, maybe we'll see. Maybe Princess it was Oni Musha, and then they just kind of it became something know.
0: else. What the hell did Power Stone become? I don't know. <laughs> then had a dollar donation from Liam Werner. With the new 1-2 Switch announcement, do you think that rules out a general June Direct because of timing of the announcement and release of the game? I do not think that rules it out.
1: Interesting. So you're saying there is a June Direct, right? So,
2: Nate confirming June Direct?
0: I'm saying that the possibility of a June Direct very much exists.
1: I mean it's June the twelfth, as of the recording of this episode. You only have a couple of weeks.
0: Our next yeah, but- question <laughs> comes from Late for Arrival. Okay. Who donated a dollar and writes, are live service games the future of video games? I'm the type of gamer that plays a game and is pretty much done with it unless I really like it. And even then it will be a while before I start it up again. Maybe I'm in the minority, but not too hyped.
1: Oh, man. I I don't know. I I mean, they probably are the future. I don't want them to be, though, but they probably are. Let's be honest. Yeah,
2: but the problem with that is there's only. We've already seen a lot of the live service stuff bubble burst. Oh, yeah. Because Mm -hmm. there's just not enough room for. There's not enough customers i guess is the right way to say for all these games right? right we we saw all the huge developers from like back to the 360 early xbox one all pivot to games as a service like bioware with the anthem uh fallout 76 and Redfall, uh ubisoft with the division and stuff like that but it sort of seems like they're all pivoting back to single player right bioware is doing dragon age and mass effect and you massive is going to a single single player Star Wars thing and mm-hmm. seems like Bethesda's transitioning back to single player mm-hmm. um so i I do wonder if some of the industry is thinking nah we can't really those are those other games are too ingrained right now and I mean I mean look at it the next big live service game suicide squad yeah, People are already thinking that game's is shooing to fail, right? Mm-hmm. People hate that game already. And that was a, a developer only did single player stuff. Mm-hmm. And it- I, I know every developer wants their game to make a billion dollars every year, you know, for them. But there's just not enough customers to support it, which is why a lot of people are looking at Sony's live service
1: movement as hmm. How's that going to work out for you? Well, that's what I was getting at. Like, I mean, Sony's obviously investing heavily on live service games. We've heard, you know, rumors about they have they have quite a few of them in development right now. I'm I'm wondering if it's if that of the mindset of we just need one of these to be a hit and, yeah. and you know, we've we've made our money back type of thing. But you're right; they're very risky. And look, it's one of those things where it was really cool a couple of years ago, but I think, you know, if if you are going to invest in a live service game, then you really want to make sure that you have a good business plan because I think, you know, you, you mentioned a lot of people, you know, don't play these games. I think the other difficulty is a lot of these games aren't finished. You know, like I think there's a, a mindset of, well, we're, we're going to have a roadmap for the next 12 months after this game comes out, and we're going to start adding content as you're playing but man, gamers are crazy, dude. Like they'll they'll tear through content in a matter of hours, and they're like, "I've got nothing else to do in this game, so I'm gonna not play it anymore." Yeah. So, I think live service games. I mean, they're going to evolve in some way where I feel like they are still going to be very, very pertinent in in video games, and and they're going to be around. They're not going away. But I do agree with you, um, Rand, that a lot of them are just gonna be DOA. Because they were, they started their development literally three, four, five years ago, chasing these trends of live services and making money on these like persistent games. But now in 2023 and beyond, uh, most of these games, gamers don't want to play them anymore. They just don't want to play these games. So I think, you know, like everything, the cream will rise to the crop. A good live service game will have a lot of staying power and will make a lot of money, but the majority of them will probably just fall away.
2: Yeah, I'm sure somebody will create the next big fad. Like, yep. you know, yeah. uh, Battle Royale has sort of, I think, reached its, its peak, which is why you don't really see a lot of games trying to get into that space because it's completely saturated. So, somebody will create something in the future, you know, whether that's an extraction shooter like Bungie's Marathon or Dr. Disrespect's game or whatever, and that be sort of the next big thing. <laughs> I don't know. But somebody will come up with an idea. They'll get it done. It'll be huge. The problem for developers, as MVG pointed out, is in the 360 era where you could turn a game around in two years Yeah, and basically copy the new Call of Duty or the new Gears uh-huh. and have a copycat up really quickly. Uh, no, it takes like four or five years now. So n- you, you you run into the problem of of Rocksteady coming out with Suicide Squad. Like, Everybody likes games of service still, right, guys? Right, guys? (laughs) Why are you all looking at us weird? What's going on? Right? So,
0: Yeah, I mean, I think their pathway for the future would be more as a complementary role. Because as game development costs continues to increase, it does become unsustainable for a developer just to release a single-player game and then have to say, we have to sell 30 million copies. Because that's just an astronomical figure. But if you have a quality live service game that can offset some of that development cost, that's where it could be beneficial. It's still a risk. So I don't think it's necessarily the future of the industry where everything's going to go that path. I think we're going to have that dozen or so from the big publishing houses and the console manufacturers, and they're going to try to live off those as long as they can to fund those single player and other blockbuster releases.
1: I think yeah. that's the movement that the industry. We, can we, in. Where's Banjo then? Mm, where's Everwalk? question. Where's Silent Hill? Yeah. Where's Silent
0: Hill? It's coming. It's funded by the the arcades of Japan.
2: Wait, are you saying Konami's, are you saying Metal Gear Solid 3 Delta is a game as a service so they can fund <laughs> Silent Hill and Castlevania?
0: Oh God. Is that... Was that the point you are making? See, Konami used their arcade machines to fund these games. No. Ah, they use the use literal pa- game as a service. They use their pachinko machines, not their arcade machines. Even better. What's more live service than a pachinko machine? <laughs> Touche. <laughs> ben had a dollar donation from Liam Warner. I may have asked this before, but do you think Mario Kart will get a second booster course pass? Many speculate it will since Smash got a second one, and that would have been harder and less profitable than this. And new tracks recently seem very 8-like. I mean, the course pass expires later this year with the life cycle of the Switch, you know, eventually nearing its end. By the, the end of 2024, it seems kind of... Pointless to do another course pass. Just let this one end and then you can release a brand new Mario Kart on the upcoming generation and make a lot of money. Then had a $20 donation from Lightning Trickster. Hello. I want to say that I am grateful for the info you provide. Is it possible that there are even other Persona projects that you aren't aware of, like the P5T game? Atlas keeps updating 2018 year old domains. Also, can Persona 6 still get announced this year for 2024? Could it get announced this year? If Atlas, if Atlas wants to announce the game this year, they could announce it this year. From what I had been told a couple of months ago, the plan was to announce it next year and then release it next year. Now, I know there's... Some information out there suggesting it could release in 2025. There's also a rumor out there saying it won't come out till 2026. The 2026 information, as far as I know, is inaccurate. That is not the current plan. But Persona 6 announcement has been delayed once already. So this is, again, one of the situations where it's entirely up to Atlas of how they want to go about the marketing of this game and when they want to announce it. They can really announce it and any minute they want to. They just have other Persona projects that they want to bring to market first, as we just saw this past week with Persona 3 Reload, Persona 5 Tactica, and there is a Persona Party game still to come next year. Yep. Agree with that. Then had a $10 donation from Fangs the Wolf. With no Banjo-Kazooie game appearing at this year's Microsoft event, is it safe to say that we shouldn't expect a new game to materialize at any time soon?
1: Yes. Well, MVG, It is safe to, to assume that. Mm.
2: But what about Scalebound?
1: <laughs> <laughs> Man, that game was canceled for a reason.
0: Mm. Yeah, it sucked.
2: Yeah, and Platinum was working on Final Fantasy 16. <laughs> <laughs>
0: MVG's putting the bird back in the backpack.
1: Yep. Taking the bird outside. Up out back. Oh, don't do that. Don't do that to the bird and the bear.
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> you know what I think they should do with Banjo? I think they should convince Nintendo to make it. And then what? they can just release it on the Switch 2 and then Xbox on Game Pass.
0: That might be That's not a bad idea. Second right, right, right. most insane thing <laughs> I've heard. Since no. I heard the rumor of Turn Ten making an F zero game, <laughs> oh, that'd be cool though.
1: Wait, wait where did you,
0: where did you hear that? Hey? I don't remember. <laughs> but this is our last question for today, and it comes from Jackie G, who donated a dollar and writes, "Do you think Capcom will ever consider publishing games outside of their own development houses again?" No. I do not.
2: What so what's an example of that?
0: Yeah, that's what I'm trying to think of. Like an external developer that Capcom like what are are we talking like a Clover Studio type of thing? Because I was
2: thinking like, oh, you talking about similar to like Wild Hearts where Koei Tecmo made the game but EA published it, right? Like kind of
0: thing. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Something like that. Like I would think Capcom would put themselves in that position again if they think the title is worthy.
1: Capcom published a lot of games in the US, like the original Shantae game on the Game Boy Color was published by Capcom. They did the they did this Oracle of Seasons games, I think. Like they've, they've, they've done a bunch of stuff. They've published a bunch of stuff. Um, I'm assuming that's what he's talking about, where they were more of a publisher than a developer. Um, I can't see that happening going forward. I feel like the model that they have right now, where they're basically just doing their own internal ips based on all the stuff that they have in their back catalog is what they're going to continue doing in the future because i mean it's working for them they're they're really doing well right now so i I can't see that changing
0: i I think if there's a good opportunity for them they will do it but their focus is definitely just in-house development but publishing i mean it's kind of its own independent thing but i i think we could see some some opportunities spring up if the time and the product is right. And that is our final stream labs question for this week. If you'd like to support the channel, we have a Streamlabs labs link in our description below. Donate any dollar amount, ask a question. We will answer it at the end of the episode, donate $100 or more. We will dedicate the episode to you. And I'd like to thank Randall Thor for joining us this week.
2: Yeah. Thanks for having me on. It was a blast even though we talked like an hour and a half before the show even started.
0: <laughs> it was a blast. It's always good having you talk some Xbox shop. And for MVG for joining me, as always.
1: Thanks for having me on, Nate and uh, Rand. Thanks for uh, being our guest today. It's always great to talk to you.
0: And let us know your thoughts on the Xbox showcase in the comment section below. Remember the challenge we issued towards the end of the episode in terms of making a comment to see if you've listened that long. And until next time, continue to embrace the hate.